It's time to strap in for another edition of the Cars Guide podcast, the show that takes you beyond the test drive. This is episode number 219, Best Utes Coming in 2022. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining me in looking at the new load luggers heading towards Aussie showrooms this year are Managing Editor Head of Video Matt Campbell and, and News Editor Tung Nguyen. Hello. Coming to us. From Sunny Island. It's um, snow today for the second time. It's snow today. <laughs> All right. And our man in Europe. We'll also take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving this week and dive into your feedback. YouTubers, you can jump ahead to each ute we'll be talking about and each section of the show via the time codes in the notes or chapter markers in the timeline. So let's get to it. Um, now, our own Byron authored a story um, a little while ago now, but focusing on the four big uh, arrivals for Utes this year. Um, and he said the past year has been relatively quiet in terms of new models, but in terms of sales, far from it. You know, Utes are still such a big deal um, in the Aussie market. Hilux and Ranger kind of arm wrestling at the top of the market. Um, so, and, and he rightly says you can expect no change in that during 2022. Uh, it looks like yeah. Utes will continue to be very, very popular. Um, and since he wrote that story, the one that we've seen uh, is Ranger. Um, it'll arrive, you know, it'll arrive uh, during the middle of this year, but we've had a look at it. And a lot of our theories about what was happening under the bonnet particularly um, have come to pass. So new engines and a whole lot of other stuff as well. Yeah, the um, the Ford Ranger, obviously, you'll see it in my background if you're watching on YouTube. That's the previous generation one. The new generation one, um, obviously, a vital model for Ford Australia, uh, makes up some ungodly percentage of their overall sales in Australia. 70 to 80%. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. not a diversified portfolio, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. So of every five Fords you see, one of them won't be a Ranger, uh, which does say something about how popular that Ute is. Um, and for good reason, you know, the, the existing one um, has built such a strong reputation as being the benchmark in the segment, even this far into its tenure. Uh, you know, we're talking 10, 11 years since it first came out. And yeah. uh, the PX Ranger, you know, over the years has just gotten better and better. Um, and this new generation Ranger, well, all the ingredients seem to be right for it to be better again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tung, you know, we've done some pretty detailed coverage on it. Uh, yep. What are your thoughts? Um, it's, I, I think on a surface level, you look at the new generation Ranger and it looks very much like the old one. And while the old car was very, very good, um, you know, at first glance, you, you might not think it's that big of an improvement, but you dig a little bit deeper under the skin and Ford has actually done a whole bunch of, you know, micro improvements. And it's it's turned into this, this whole package now that um, is, is really exciting. Um, you know, it looks the same, uh, but the interior is all new. And then, you know, the, 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 the track width is now a little bit wider. You know, um, there's not that much carryover from the old car to the new car. So I'm, I'm, I'm got really to, i got to say, visually, I reckon those C-clamp, Headlights like the US mm. style from F-150, et cetera. I'm a fan of those. I like it. I think it looks pretty tough. It's just a mm. subjective thing. But the big news, and it's very much in line with the, the new, next one that we'll talk about, um, is a V6 engine. Um, yeah. Three liter Yay. V6. So, you know, that's something that a lot of people have been talking about as a bit of a missing link. 
um, in the in the range of things. And whilst we've been talking about EVs and the the move towards electric vehicles, um, here's a brand taking its Ute from four up to six cylinders, or five, four and five up to six cylinders, and that leads us into the Range Raptor breaking news, more or less, um, that we now know a heck of a lot more about that car than we did, again, thanks to Byron. Um, and he's calling it our first ever super truck. Um, so um, second half of this year, and with a price tag of around 90K or more, but there are plenty of people ready to spend that kind of dough um, on, a, on a special truck. And he's like he's saying, with the twin turbo V6, zero to 100 in five and a half seconds. So mm, yeah. super truck is is not a misnomer. It surely is, mm-hmm. and the, not just not just fast in a straight line. Like it's designed to be off roadable as well. Like mm. there's been major changes to the four wheel drive system. Um, you know, it's got a wider track. Uh, it's going to be much more capable off road. New off road traction control system. You know, like it's designed to be a better Ute in pretty much all situations. Now, we don't know payload details or towing capacity as yet, um, and they were two of the big issues with the existing uh, Ranger Raptor. If you check on YouTube for my towing review and my load test of the Raptor X, uh, and you'll see um, just how ungood it was at some of those elements of being a ute um it was really good at being you know a poser truck that um can take off-road and you can jump it and whatever you want to do but um when it came to the heavy duty work stuff um right right it wasn't quite as good but then again i guess it's not designed for that uh primarily it's it's the the foreman's car rather than the um tradies car so could be. Controversial and to- opinion here. I'm, um, uh, I'm not 100% convinced on the front grille of the new car. That okay. big block Ford lettering does not do it for me. It just looks a bit too gapy and wide. I, pref- I much prefer the look of the old the old car. But um, do you? you know, to Interesting. You, to your point, JC, you know, that, um, that 0 to 100 in five and a half second time is nuts. Can you believe there is a dual cab ute that will accelerate faster to 100 kilometers an hour than most hot hatches on the market? Well, well if we other, believe yeah. Musky, if we believe Musky, the Cybertruck will do it even quicker than that. Goodness <laughs> so. um, the, the, um, it's, it's good that you're using his nickname. I know that it's only a few of us to get to call him that. But the, the, the other thing is there's a bit of an alignment between the US and Australia now that wasn't there before in terms mm. of a model like the Ford Bronco has arrived and the Bronco Raptor has arrived. So they're under the skin. They're closely related. So you're getting things that are popular in the US market that will probably be available to Australian buyers as well, um, like a choice of different rims. Um, and Byron's noted that you'll be able to get um, these slightly smaller tyres and a beadlock um, type yep. uh, rim, which I think is new territory, um, pardon the pun, for, for the Raptor. Um, and when you've got 292 kilowatts and 583 newton metres, and you're using it off-road with fancy shock absorbers, um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a beast. Yeah. Um, I, I can't. You go, Tom. Uh, I just I can't wait to, to hear the exhaust note on that car. Three litre. Yeah, so. It's got an active exhaust of... valve too, by the way. Mm-hmm. 
we did have a couple of um, little sound snippets in our uh, YouTube teaser video, uh, which basically Byron gave um, a lot of information about the car, probably more in-depth information than you might expect um, about mm. this new Ranger Raptor. But, you know, this is just, it just goes to show this is, um, they haven't rolled the arm over with this car. There's there's a no. lot to talk about. And that's um, something that applies more generally to this new generation Ranger. Well, you were saying there's with the Raptor, there's extra reinforcements around the rear of the roof pillars, the load box, mm. spare wheel well, suspension, all of that. So, no, it's not just put some stickers and big rims on it and let's play with the shock absorbers. It seems to be a much more comprehensive approach. I think it's also um, important to note that uh, this Ranger and this Ranger Raptor is probably going to be the last one that is uh, that has significant Australian input as well. You know, yep. Ford have confirmed yep. that the generation after this, they're going to start moving to unified platforms with things like the F-150. Um, and yep. trucks in the US, uh, models in the US. So, you know, we could very well see that that engineering talent um, and development in Australia move overseas from now on. Direct to Michigan. Yeah, who knows? Mm -hmm. All right, well, that's cool. Super cool. Can't wait to, for that car to arrive, uh, both of those uh, to arrive. Next yeah. up, D-Max. D-Max is a, a solid campaigner in the ute market. A lot of devotees that, that won't have anything else. Um, mild makeover. We've had our own Dave Morley uh, have a look at the, the new model that's been offered. It's a 1.9 litre four-cylinder turbo diesel. So um, that's up there on the Cars Guide site. And we've got a video on YouTube. Uh, have we not, Matt? That, that's the BT50. But um, oh, good point. Oh, sorry. They are closely related. Um, <laughs> Dave's in the BT50. That's right. Yeah, sorry. Dave uh, so, but the D-Max, we've had um, Crafty do a review and a comparison test of the um, uh, the updated right. X-Terrain. Um, mm -hmm. We haven't yet had any time in the 1.9 litre for a review, um, but it is the big talking point for this update, um, really, that um, as... As I'll steal a line from Dave Morley um, for his Mazda review is that you you basically you're paying a little bit less for a little bit less Ute. Um, so yeah. if that's yeah. you know if you don't if you don't need uh, three and a half ton towing and you don't need 450 newton meters of torque um, and you don't want to spend fifty sixty thousand dollars on a Ute, then you know these yep. options do offer you the alternative, which is a one point nine liter turbo diesel four cylinder engine. Um, from all reports, it's not quite as refined as people were expecting it to be, uh, yes. but it does offer pretty decent power and torque figures, and uh, you know decent fuel consumption. And it's available across a couple of different models, um, but in the uh, D Max, it's only available in the base single cab right. chassis, mm. uh, yeah. whereas Mazda's gone a bit different with its approach, having it in a dual cab as well. So yes. um, we'll get to Mazda in a sec, but... That's right. Isuzu, the, the point, the point there being that it's a shared model between, yeah. you know, uh, Isuzu and Mazda, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's a... There's no doubt um, Isuzu will continue its charge up the sales charts mm. with this model um, and that... You know, there's there's a really good chance that uh, it'll increase its sales significantly if it can get enough stock. And I know this firsthand because my dad's put an order in for a D Max. Ah, uh, okay, he's been he was basically told um, 
nearly 14, 15 months ago that he would have a ute by now, but uh, he ended up changing dealership, going to a different dealer and, you know, he's still waiting. So the wow. the wait times are excessive. Um, buyers know that and that's had a flow on effect into the used car market where people might go, actually, I don't need this D-Max as much as I thought I did. I'll sell it for $15,000 profit. <laughs> right. And has he thought about another brand or i mean it's a similar story all around the place but but has he i mean that's extraordinary patience uh to wait yeah. that long yeah and but he, i suppose to has. be your father that speaks volumes he, he he's <laughs> obviously <laughs> he's a patient not... a patient person you bet, you bet. uh no that's so uh, so he's um yeah he, he wanted the d-max because you know he's read our reviews and and he believes that it's one of the best out there he didn't want to afford because he's a lifetime holden man so he wouldn't be seen dead with a uh, blue oval in his garage. So, so um, why doesn't he go for a Mazda BT50 then? Uh, here's the thing. Now, you might think that this is silly. I brought it up in my review of the BT50 and my comparison with the BT50 and the D-Max. BT50 doesn't have pop-out cup holders on the dashboard that pop out near the vents. You only <gasps> have breaker. those two... You only have those two cup holders in the centre section. Uh, and my dad has a 2012 Hilux that has those pop-out cup holders. They are always holding drinks. The, so, right. the humanity, where will you put your iced coffee now? I know. Yeah, exactly. Which is the one that has a square cup holder for, you know, your, your coffee move that's, and all that kind of stuff. That's both the BT50 and the D-Max the D- have that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. And it's which really is so great. Thing. So great. It's like that deep. So... It's so deep that you have to put something that's massive in there because if you put a little piccolo or, you know, if you're, if you're the sort of person who likes a piccolo, good on you. Um, but, yes. yeah, that gets lost in the coffee hole. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's awesome. We'll, we'll keep in touch with uh, your dad's travails in terms of trying to get a car in the driveway. That's, uh, that's yeah. super interesting. Um, now, this is similar to D-Max BT50. This is the flip side of Ranger. Um, Amarok. Of course, it's another shared model, and where the, the the last hurrah, as it were, of the current Amarok is going to be another Walkinshaw kind of extravaganza, the W580X. Tung, do you have any uh, latest information on what status is on that? It, it's due in April or so. Was our last yeah. information? Yeah, I mean, the final hurrah for the first generation Amarok, um, you know, Volkswagen's own Ute. Uh, you know what? What a what an innings it has had, and it's going to go out with a bang. You know, tapping Walkinshaw to, to develop a super Ute to take on the likes of you know the, the Ford Ranger Raptor, Toyota yep. Hilux Rugged X, that sort of thing. Um, much more off-road performance. Um, it's it's good. I'm glad that Volkswagen are going to send it out with a bang, and um, they look to potentially continue that relationship with Walkinshaw. You know, in the new generation uh, of Amarok that will be twinned with and- the Ford Ranger. And 580 relates to torque, doesn't it? That's the is that yeah. the torque number? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yep. the new Raptor has three newton meters more. Uh, oh, okay. With, all right. Well, that's, all right. that's a no. That's a no-brainer. Then you're going to go the Ford, aren't you? You know, you want those extra three mm-hmm. newton meters. Um, yeah. But but the even you know bigger developing news, of course, is what we are learning about the new Amarok um, and what it will share with Ford and what it might have aside from Ford, you know, um, some of the changes are obviously it's going to look different cosmetically. They've got to differentiate these cars um, uh, in the way they look. And we know that it'll have bespoke taillights with a C-shaped type signature, um, little uh, details like that. 
yet it, it will also have what Volkswagen calls a V6 TDI, which is code for a turbocharged V6 diesel, which is going to be the same turbocharged V6 diesel that the Ranger has, right? Yeah, you'd think so. Tom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. My question is, like, when do you think we're going to see that car? Now that we've seen new generation Ranger, when do you think Volkswagen are going to pull the covers off the Amara? Well, I wonder what the, you know, the, the, the lag, as it were, is about, because it has been a joint development program. Um, has there been some kind of uh, gentleman's agreement where you do your thing and then we'll give it some decent breathing space and then we'll do our thing rather than a, a joint launch, as it were, because, yeah, yeah they've been developed together. You wouldn't want to be um, Volkswagen launching the new Amarok in the same month that Ford is launching anything about the new Ranger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I would suggest that we've written uh, in our most recent story that it will be revealed later this year. Um, yes. Later this year, there's still, you know, 10 months of later this That's year right. to go. That's right. So, yes. um, I, I, I think it's probably going to be uh, late in the first half of this year. I would think that we yes. would see it. Um, and then the European summer in, in you know, 23, yeah. Yeah, so European summer launch is my guess. Um, And, you know, I really hope that there's uh, as much to be excited about with this new generation Amarok as there is uh, with the Ranger. And obviously there's a few things that the existing Amarok um, has always missed out on, like rear uh, airbag protection for occupants. Um, So obviously that this time around that will be addressed um, and that could put that vehicle on the shopping list for even more customers that are looking mm-hmm. for a lifestyle dual cab ute mm-hmm. you know for myself um, with a young kid I I couldn't look at a, an Amarok even though I love them um, I think they're a fantastic ute um, I couldn't look at one because of the lack of airbag protection in the back and, that, and I wouldn't be alone in that um, aspect. So yeah, I think sure. this new one, and obviously it's also been missing any active safety technology the whole time it's been out. So yeah. um, there's a lot of catch up to do on that front and this new generation one will catch up. Uh, yeah. Will they? Will the uh, Amarok version of the Ranger Raptor be called the Amarok R? Who knows? Amarok would, <laughs> would make sense. Would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. An R version. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, the 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 BT fifty is uh, the next one um, in terms of Byron's story and information that we've got. Um, lots changed since uh, Byron wrote that story. We know that now that it has more equipment, the safety specification, there are additional versions. And did I mention that Dave Morley has driven the car? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that the video is on YouTube. Uh, yeah. But Dave has driven the new 1.9 litre XS and he's given us a bit of an insight into the SP and you know, his summation is that it looks good inside and out, good quality feel, capable off-road um, and you can get an XS with the 4x4 dual cab. What he doesn't like is he thinks there's not enough price advantage when you're choosing that smaller engine. Yeah, that's a, a fairly, um, the car's exactly the same. They're essentially charging 3000 um, bucks for a bigger mm. engine. He, he doesn't think that adds up. Uh, some of the competition is still a lot cheaper and the pickup tray won't quite take a standard pallet, which is um, such a killer. Um, mm. And I, I think for Ranger, that's been a big deal to change to a yeah. standard pallet capacity. Yeah, and that's that's 
for this current generation of utes, it's still a real sticking point not being able to fit a pallet in the back. That's why people rip the tray off and or the tub off and put a tray on, um, a flat tray, um, if they are interested in carrying those sorts of loads. But, um, yeah, I think he makes an interesting point about um, the price uh, disadvantage that you might consider um, for downsizing the engine, but it's not an untrodden path. Like so many other Ute brands have had, you know, a two liter engine or a three liter engine, you know, or even the Hilux with uh, petrol engines and then the diesel engines are two or three thousand dollar step up. Um, I think maybe he was a little bit harsh in that regard. I, I think that it's not that big of a um, an issue. Uh, you are paying less money. You're getting less ute, yes. But for like he says in his review, if you haven't driven the three liter and you just jump in the 1.9, then you might just go, well, this is fine. What's what's? Why would I pay more money for something I don't use? Um, yeah, it's a valid point, isn't it? I think he makes a that that point of his review is really good. Um, we will be also uh, putting that vehicle through its paces and XS. Uh, dual cab pickup 1.9 litre. Uh, Mark Osler, who's our tradie expert down in Melbourne, will be doing a tradie review of it. There won't be a video, but there'll be a written review. So if you are interested in the 1.9 litre, stay tuned for that because he'll put it through its paces, load it up to its GVM limit, and we'll find out what it's really made of. Yeah, um, super. I, 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 I'm going to admit, I confess that, you know, I haven't had that much time in a, in a Mazda BT50. I don't know the product as, as well as I probably should have. I remember doing the, the reveal for it at Mazda HQ uh, and I've driven one for maybe like two days. Um, but, yep. you know, Maddie, I think we touched on this a bit earlier. Like if you were, you know, in the market for a Ute and you were looking at D-Max BT50, aside from a cup holders, you know, what is, what is going to, you know, how, how is one going to win out over the other? Well, I think you'll do your your maths and figure out whether you're getting better value out of one or the other. They are really closely aligned on specification. Mm -hmm. Things like ownership come into the equation. Mazda only has a five-year warranty. You get an extra year, I think, from Isuzu. You get an extra two years of roadside assist or cap price or something from Isuzu. So mm -hmm. those little things do add up to a longer-term customer, someone who is going to keep their ute for five years or more. Mm -hmm. um, and also the look, like um, yeah. say what you like. You might you might love the look of a BT50. My old man thinks they don't look as tough as a D-Max. And so sure. he likes the D-Max more. The, um, <laughs> yeah, the, that's been a sticking point for BT50 in the last generation. And um, for some buyers or potential customers, it still is a sticking point because maybe they don't want an SUV looking ute. They want a chunky, you know, yep. muscle man ute. My two bobs is that I think the further you get towards the commercial end of the ute spectrum, the less brand and image matters. It's all about those ownership details, about what it's going to cost me to run, what it's going to cost me to insure, what it's going to cost me on resale, those kinds of things. If it's more for personal use, then you're more uh, kind of consumer-driven uh, factors come into play. What does it look like? Is it a Mazda? Is it an Isuzu? Whereas a commercial thing is just how does it add up on a balance sheet? Mm -hmm. And that's what fleet buyers look at, balance sheets, spreadsheets, um, you know, whether it ticks all the boxes for the safety requirements that they have. Uh, and, you know, thankfully for 
these new generation utes, um, those boxes are mostly ticked. Um, the ownership costs aren't extreme. Um, that's one thing that maybe Volkswagen will hopefully address with this new generation Amarok because it's been typically more expensive than most of its rivals to maintain and own one of those utes. Um, so we're talking like instead of 300 bucks for the first four years of services like at Ford, you you know, year three or four might be 500, 600, 1,000. So those little yep. things do add up. And if you are going to take a serious swing at the commercial vehicle buyer, you need to keep that in mind. Mm. Totally. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, um, that's a bit of a wrap on, on what's heading our way ute-wise uh, in the near, near term and a uh, little further ahead. But in terms of what's happening right now, uh, we're going to visit our garage. And strangely enough, M4, you've been driving a ute. <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, it's not the one uh, on my image behind me. Um, I This uh, last week spent a bit of time in the LDV T60 Max. Now, if you're not aware, the T60 Max is the facelifted version of the T60 um, and... Yeah, there's a lot of commentary around whether it's good looking or not. Um, I'm going to leave that to you to decide. Um, but we're talking about a budget focused ute that, um, yes, it's made in China, uh, but it is um, offering some stuff that a lot of other competitors don't offer at this price point. There's decent safety. It's got a twin turbo diesel engine um, with heaps and heaps and heaps of torques, uh, but it does have also heaps and heaps and heaps of turbo lag. So keep that in mind. Um, all told, um, I thought it was an okay ute um, for someone who's stepping out of a 15-year-old Triton or something like that or even an early version of the first-generation um, Ranger, um, the PX Ranger I'm talking about, you might get into this and go, well, geez, this is cheap for what I'm getting. Um, for other people, it might not be quite what they're looking for. But I thought it was pretty good for the 35-ish thousand bucks that they charge for it. Cool. Good. Good one. All right. Nice summation. Tung, you've yes. been... Uh... Travelling around uh, Ireland, uh, admiring all the four-leaf clovers, dodging leprechauns, whatever else was going on, but what have you been doing it in? Uh, I have been fortunate enough to be in the new Nissan Qashqai, um, which is, is yet to hit Australian showrooms. Um, so it's a bit of a sneak peek or an early early taster of what we can um, expect to come down the line. Uh, your full review is actually already published on the Cars Guide website with a video as well, uh, a YouTube video too. Um, you know, it is, what can I say? It's the new generation Qashqai and the old one, the previous generation one has been around for a while now. So, um, you know, this Qashqai, this update is, is well and truly needed. Um, big things that I really like about the car, the cabin, um, it feels so much more modern, um, than, than, than the old car did. Uh, there's, you know, you've got an all digital instrument cluster, you've got a large, um, touchscreen multimedia system, uh, it feels light. It feels airy. Uh, it's just a it's just a nice place to be. Whereas the old car, I felt, was just a functional place to be. Um, right, cool. cool. I like the I like the you know the practicality side of the Qashqai. That's always been on the larger end of the the small SUV spectrum, and um, this one you know well and truly keeps that up. Uh, there's heaps of room in the rear seat. 
uh, even in the even in the middle seat because uh, the transmission tunnel is not all that um, yep. you know doesn't eat into the footwell all that much. There's heaps of boot space, and fun fact, it's one of the only cars in its class where the rear doors, the hinges, will open ninety degrees. So if you've got a child like I do, um, it's very very easy to get them in and out. Um, yeah. Also yeah, very yeah. easy to dent the car next to you in the car park as well. Oops, that's right. true. That's true. <laughs> but uh, the car over here that I sampled, it's powered by a 1.3 liter turbo petrol engine with mild hybrid. Australia won't get the mild hybrid side of things. Um, you know, it's it's an okay engine around town. It is kind of let down a little bit by the CVT, which Nissan have retuned and they made it feel a little bit more, you know, natural, but it's still a CVT at the end of the day. Yeah. So... You know, I'm happy to report that not only is it a much better cash guy, uh, I think it's actually one of the better small SUVs, you know, on the market or soon to be on the market. And we can't wait to, you know, for Maddie or someone to put it up against the Kia Seltos and, and see how it does. Cool. Definitely. Great. Good. Good one. Thank you. Um, I'll finish off with a Sorento, but a Sorento of the more uh, everyday kind, uh, the S diesel. Having said that, it's $50,000. It's $50,650, 2.2-litre turbo diesel four, eight-speed auto, all-wheel drive. Um, so you're getting 148 kilowatts, 440 newton metres, which is pretty handy, from 1750 RPM, which uh, is a typical turbo diesel kind of characteristic. On the plus side, it's comfy. Uh, I know, Matt, you and I, when we first saw the car, uh, noticed that it's on. it runs on 17s. The tyres are 235, 65, so you've got that nice, fat, big donutty kind of uh, sidewall on the tyres, and it is comfortable as a result. Um, it's refined, it's powerful. In this lower variant, you get wireless CarPlay um, and Android Auto, which is really nice, um, and I think on the upper variant, you've actually got to stick the cord in. Um, I, I could be, I stand to be corrected on that, but... Um, and you get a full-size spare, things like that. I thought that was great. The minus, the standard AC, no climate control in a 50K car, mm. I thought was a bit of a miss. Um, you've got to put the key in the ignition. Am I spoiled? First world problems, probably. <laughs> um, the, the third row is quite squeezy. Uh, and the car we've had has been in white. And it looks a bit plain in white because I think the Sorento looks terrific. I reckon it's a really nice design, but in white, mm. it somehow knocks the edge off it. Mm. Um, and in summary, I reckon it's easy to drive, practical, the connect connectivity... One thing I noticed in the back doors, the bottle holders or cup holders aren't down in the bin, down in the bottom of the door. They're right up near the door handle. Super, super yeah. convenient. Just little details like that um, I liked. So I think it's a fair chunk of money uh, for that car, but it's a, it's a pretty good drive. Yep. Yeah, I, I think the Sorento is a very convincing mm. SUV. But yeah. yeah, 50 grand for the base model is a bit rich. It is. <laughs> seems to be. All right. Now... We'll just uh, cover off our comment of the week, which, as we know, is always on top of the shipping container at the front of the car's guide forecourt with bunting, <laughs> balloons. Um, we're going we're gonna to do some comments here. Um, it's Baz Goodwin, and uh, he says, Peugeot, exclamation mark, bought a 308 in 2011, reasonably priced for almost a hot hatch, lots of warranty work and dealer mechanics not being familiar with the brand causing further issues. Butte to drive and done 112,000 kilometres, but last year with oil leaks spent over 5K on servicing. So in December, traded it for a Japanese vehicle, still waiting for it to arrive, uh, got back 10% got back of initial purchase price. In two words, high maintenance. And I think we, we've been talking about this, Matt, um, just a little bit lately about 
um, Peugeot and its its um, sibling Citroen and what might be needed to to give those brands a higher profile. I think there is a lot of reluctance around, I don't know, uh, reputation for reliability, cost of servicing, those kinds of things. And and Baz's experience doesn't um, exactly rebut any of that. Yeah, I mean, you can have a long warranty and you can have cap price servicing and you can have roadside assist. You can have all those things. But if your point of contact when something does go wrong isn't a positive experience, then that brand is off your list forevermore. So uh, I think that's an important learning. Um, You know, we all know it. We've all experienced a bad dealership experience at some point. Uh, And, you know, there's there's nothing that leaves a worse taste in your mouth than walking away thinking, I don't know if these guys know what they're doing or (laughs) I know what these guys are doing and they're doing it. They're charging me um, way too much for what they're doing. So, yeah. And look, and not to pick on Peugeot, obviously people have uh, unfortunate experiences with a lot of different brands, but um, the only the only relevancy here is that um, it's a reputation um, that that brand has. So uh, I thought it was interesting that that yeah. was Baz's experience. Um, all right, fantastic. With that, we have reached the finish line. Cool. So I want to say thank you, Matt. Thank you. And thank you, Tool. It's been wonderful. And Thanks to today's producer, our producer extraordinaire, happiness hero, and all-around whiz kid, Mr. Pritchard, for his ability to make us kind of look like we know what we're doing. Um, Today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, some people say I'm old-fashioned. I say poppycock. Um, (laughs) French fry pants and independently suspended sneakers. They are extraordinary. Uh, Jump into the conversation, Cars Guides on Facebook and Instagram, or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Apple Podcast listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five stars is the preferred number. Do it. Do it now. It would be great. Um, uh, If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. Um, But before we go, how many car salespeople does it take to change a light bulb? Well, I'm going to work this out on my calculator and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. (laughs) Just going to go speak to the manager about it. That's right. I've just got to get the finance guy. I think you'll be very happy. (laughs) 